Ontario Premier Doug Ford is planning to give the mayors of Toronto and Ottawa greater authority over financial matters and appointments, a so-called strong mayor system is what this is called. It's typically marked by a centralization of executive power with the mayor who has control over department head appointments, oversees the budgets. Sometimes you get a veto powder. I veto you. Veto. Doug Ford, on his way into Queen's Park today, had this to say. I think that to be the mayor of Toronto or Ottawa or any, any, any mayor, uh, they're accountable for everything. But they have the same single vote as a single councillor. And uh, no matter if it's a good decision or a, a tough decision that they make, they have to be accountable. And, and it just uh, allows them the ability, not the power. I always say you have a tremendous amount of uh, responsibility and ability to make the make the appropriate changes. So will they, will the under the strong mayor will they have a veto? Will the mayors of Toronto and Ottawa have a veto power over council, or will they be just? Yeah, well, I, I, we'll get into the details later. But yes, uh, similar to that, and two thirds of the council can overrule the, the mayor. All right. So some of the details there that there will be some kind of veto, uh, and then in, in this system, then a, a supermajority of two thirds could then. You know, veto the veto sort of thing. That that's the idea here. The whole the, the whole basis on this. And we're going to get into this with Colin DeMello, our Queens Park bureau chief, in just a moment. Is that it is going to spur? Hopefully, the idea is going to spur development. We're going to you know be able to give mayors more power, and they're going to be able to build more housing and do all kinds of things that they need to be able to do. But Josh Matlow, who's a Toronto city councilor, says that doesn't make sense. I don't even see the reason for this because if you're a good mayor and if you're able to, you know, influence your colleagues and, 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 and have that power of influence, you're able to be effective. And if you're not a good mayor, then you should rightfully be held in check. So I don't know why Doug Ford is doing this, but frankly, that's the problem, right? There hasn't been a conversation. There's been no, mm-hmm. uh, no, no ability to even understand that other than a, an article in the star that, that, that didn't have that many details because they haven't been announced. Right. Well, we're getting some more of those details now as they come out. It looks like this will, you know, either be discussed at cabinet coming up or a future cabinet meeting, and then we have the legislature returning in August uh, to be able to do a deal with a number of things, including the budget. But Mike Layton, another Toronto City Councillor, says, you know, might I remind you, we have had some chief magistrates in this city, in the city of Toronto, that maybe we wouldn't want to have given big powers to? If you look in the distant past, we're not so far from a time when the interests of the mayor may have collided with the general interests of the city as a whole. And when you have someone in a position of that kind of power getting elected with under 40% of the vote, which is typically how it goes in the city of Toronto, then you've got a real democratic deficit. And the real possibility that someone's going to be put in a position of power that can then have enormous influence over the, over our lives on a daily basis. All right, that is Toronto City Councillor Mike Layton. Let's get more on this from our Global News Queen's Park Bureau Chief. Welcome back to the program, Colin DeMello. Thanks for having me, Al. It's kind of deja vu all over again, isn't it not? You know, a, a freshly elected Doug Ford decides to wade into municipal affairs in a big way. 
I was just thinking that last night. I mean, this is exactly where we were four years ago when Doug Ford in 2018 decided uh, to completely reorganize uh, what city council was going to look like here in Toronto and take it down from, you know, 44 or 47 wards down to uh, 25. And here we are again on the doorstep of another provincial election. And this is going to be a significant change if it comes to pass uh, for the city of Toronto and the city of Ottawa, because currently, you know, the mayor is one of 26 votes here in Toronto. And, you know, his powers are you know, distributed really amongst city council. What the Ford government seems to be proposing is taking some of that power, not all, but some of the power that city council has and concentrating it within the mayor's office itself, uh, which means it, you know, effectively weakens all of the city councillors and strengthens um, you know, the mayor and, and makes them two very different bodies with two different responsibilities. Obviously, Doug Ford has experience on council, a former Toronto city councillor himself. Uh, John Tory in the past has spoken out about a quote-unquote strong mayor system. There's been a lot of comparisons to New York City. Uh, is that apt, do you think? Yeah, I think New York City is a really good example. So in New York, um, the strong mayor system there gives the mayor a lot of powers that the city councillors don't have. It actually acts as an executive branch and a legislative branch. So what the mayor is responsible for is the budgeting process. Uh, the mayor is responsible for uh, appointments, hirings, firings, uh, you know, potentially even raises that those uh, mayoral appointments might get. But most consequently, if the city council has a bill that they pass, if that makes it to the mayor's table, that's the process. The, the, the council passes the bill. It goes to the mayor. The mayor then has 30 days to either you know, approve the bill and pass it into law or to veto the bill and send it back to city council. Now, now in New York, and I don't know if this would be the same process here in Toronto or Ottawa, but in New York, city council could use a two thirds majority to veto the mayor's veto and pass the bill into law anyway. So that veto power is something that we really haven't seen here before in Toronto. And it could really, you know, we don't really know what the consequences of that would be and, and what it means for an average city council and what power do they really have if the mayor um you know has these strength and powers chooses who's going to be on his executive council chooses what the budget is going to be and then vetoes anything else that comes from really the opposition you know that could really disenfranchise a lot of politicians and a lot of voters by extension right that's a totally different sort of thing if you're a, a counselor uh, up against a mayor who has perhaps opposing views on, on any number of, of issues it's going to be interesting going forward how this all works. The, the backdrop to it is housing. I guess that's what the provincial government is saying, is that this is all about trying to get more housing faster. Yes, they're saying that this is about um, affordable housing during a time of crisis when, you know, uh, the, the, the average cost of a home is pushing higher and higher in a city like Toronto. And there is a you know, big move by the province and municipalities to build more affordable housing. And, and the premier has talked about the idea, which is why Ottawa is also kind of included in this. The premier has talked about the idea that Toronto alone can't bear the burden of building new affordable housing units that in Ottawa, as an example, they can't be this, they, they can't have this mentality of not in my backyard. And so by perhaps giving the mayor more powers, um, you know, they may be able to build units quicker. Although the, the province up until this point hasn't, you know, proven either publicly or in private conversations with, with myself, 
how the current makeup of city council is a barrier. Remember, John Tory has been in power since 2014, right? He's going on a third mandate now, and you know, the, the affordable housing units haven't really been built. I mean, you can't really say that that's necessarily a function of having a weak mayor system or a strong mayor system. It really hasn't been a part of his agenda. Um, the same thing with the, with the province. Doug Ford has been in power for the last four years, and we haven't seen a real push towards affordable housing units. So they, they haven't really expressed why the current system and the current makeup of power with city council is a barrier to building affordable housing units. And that's what we're really interested uh, to see as well here at Queens Park. Yeah, I, I think you just hit it on the head there. And, uh, you know, other critics have pointed this out as well, is that John Tory has had powers to be able to do all kinds of things with housing. He has powers already that he could have wielded to try uh, and change things and has not done it. So if we're making the argument here, the basis of the argument is that that council is a barrier, as you say, to, you know, trying to get things done. You can't get anything done because of the city council. I don't I don't know if that that bears out. I mean, but this is a slam dunk at the end of the day, because as I think the province found out shortly after 2018, municipalities are a creature of the provincial government. Absolutely. And, and, you know, they are, they live by and live and die by the will of the provincial government. And, and it's funny, you know, if we go back to 2018, Alan, the, the conversation coming out of that big, um, you know, change, that big shift to city council, which was ultimately taken to the Supreme Court, um, the Ford government won that in, at the Supreme Court. But the big consequence of that, and the big conversation after was about making Toronto a charter city you know, giving it some kind of independence from the province so that it could make its own rules and didn't have to, uh, you know, live and buy, die by what the province of the day had said. Um, that would be the conversation that I think a lot of councillors would be more in favor of having than the idea of this. So instead of making it a charter city, uh, the government is now giving you know, one person that supreme power over the budgetary process, over the appointments process, and over, you know, largely anything that comes out of city council if they get this, uh, this veto power. I spoke to one political science professor with Western University who pointed out that, you know, it's not abnormal in Canada. In Winnipeg, as an example, they do have a strong mayor system in which the mayor has a few more powers, but some of them are temporary. So that veto power, as an example, is a temporary 30-day veto power. So you can veto it for 30 days to give city council that sober second thought, that ability to say, maybe you want to think about this, tinker around a little bit and bring it back to me, and then I can approve it. So it, it gives him that backstop. Uh, but here in Toronto, we don't know whether that would be a temporary measure or whether that would be a, you know, a permanent veto uh, power, similar to what uh, you see in, in New York City. Speaking with Colin DeMello, our Global News uh, Queens Park Bureau Chief. Uh, Colin, the legislature returns on August 8th. Obviously, it looks like this legislation will be on the agenda. What else are we expecting? Well, the, the biggest thing we're expecting, of course, is the budget, right? And, and we want to see whether there's going to be changes to the budget or whether the budget is going to be largely the same. And, and here's the thing. We learned this week that the budget is going to have to change. There's no way around it. Um, one, the government had promised that they were going to increase ODSP rates. So that's going to be in uh, this budget whenever it gets tabled. But we, we learned from the financial accountability officer this week, uh, Alan, that the government had underspent $7.2 billion in the last fiscal year. And the chief financial accountability officer says 
His numbers are as of April 22nd, and the budget was tabled on April 29th, which means that the assumptions that formed the April 29th budget were outdated. And you know these new numbers will mean that the government now has seven billion dollars to play around with, and the chief uh, and financial accountability officer has indicated that that money is going to go down to pay uh, the debt and the deficit, which means that the deficit could actually be you know as low as eight billion instead of thirteen billion. That's what the government had projected. Uh, we could also see some other legislation when it comes to affordable housing. We're hearing some rumblings that there could be some other legislation in the works. Uh, the government is being pressed to end the practice of exclusionary housing, which means uh, allowing homeowners to demolish a home in a neighborhood and build instead a triplex or a fourplex on it. Currently, a lot of residents, uh, residential housing, you can only build either a, a detached home or a semi-detached home. And then education as well, Alan, is going to be a big thing. Uh, there could be legislation related to education. We've been hearing some rumblings about that as well. Uh, we, we don't know exactly what that might look like, so I'll, I'll save that speculation for a little bit later. But it, it is going to be a packed five-week session starting August 8th. Colin, great to have you on. Great to talk with you. Talk soon. Thanks for having me, Alan.